0: This is an ABC podcast. Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever.
1: We need to be prepared for the future.
0: I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific Prepared.
1: Pacific prepared.
0: Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse.
1: What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it?
0: And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for doing. You must ready.
1: Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure.
0: Eventually I know it's gonna hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific prepared. Pacific Prepared.
2: Pacific Prepared. Hi, I'm Fred Hooper, and this is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, climate change and traditional knowledge, and how those things are all connected. And you'll hear about that through stories from right across the Pacific. Each week we work with local reporters. They're on the ground letting us know what's happening in this space and what people want to hear about. On today's show, how tsunami drills are part of life in Tonga and right across the Pacific. Also, listening to the locals, taking advice and guidance from local Pacific voices when it comes to solutions to climate change. And memories of a tsunami more than 10 years on, and this Samoan says it's still very clear in his mind. And that event might have even changed the way that Samoans think about natural disasters. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared.
1: We need to be prepared for the future.
0: Helping you stay safe.
1: We
3: have built a seawall two times, but we did no good.
1: What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it?
4: Plan
0: this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared.
5: Pacific Prepared.
0: Pacific Prepared.
2: Being prepared for natural disasters is part of life in the Pacific, and making it part of life means having drills from time to time, like tsunami drills. Recently, in Tonga, the long whirring sound of a tsunami alert was ringing out, all part of the drill, of course. Pacific prepared reporter and journalist at Tonga Broadcasting Commission, Anna Falakau has this story.
0: Hundreds of students from Apifuo College and Ahapaninolo Technical Institute Took part in a national tsunami evacuation drill. Locations of Apifoo College and Aobani Lolo Technical Institute are close to the waterfront, which have been identified as one of the areas vulnerable to natural disasters, especially tsunamis. Attending the drill was the United Nations Special Representative of the Secretary General for Disaster Risk Reduction, Mami Misuturi of Japan. She says the drill is important as it prepares students for a real tsunami event.
6: Where they should go when there's a tsunami. And the scary thing is that you never know when it comes. You, you are surrounded by a beautiful ocean, You have a beautiful country, but sadly, there are many, many bad things that can happen because of climate emergency, because of volcano eruption, because of tsunamis. And this is why today is very important, because you will know what you do, what you have to do when you hear those silence, and you can take your classmates but not only, maybe you can take your the smaller children that are on the way to here. Maybe if you find an elder, you can also invite them and you can all come here and be safe. And this is very important. This is called preparedness, right? We need to be prepared.
0: The program is a preparatory program for the World Tsunami Awareness Day next month.
6: So we are going to show the world how much the people and the government of Tonga and you especially are doing in order to make yourself stronger, in order to make yourself more resilient. If you remember one word, please remember the word resilient. Resilient means that even when difficult things happen, you know how to survive and you know how to come back. So the World Tsunami Awareness Day, it's the 5th of November this year. It's a Sunday, so when you go to church, remember about that day and make sure that you are protected. And please always make sure that you leave no one behind.
0: The tsunami drill was hosted by the National Disaster Risk Management Office in partnership with related
2: stakeholders. Thanks to Pacific Prepared Reporter and Tonga Broadcasting Commission journalist, and I see you, The time to prepare is now, not
5: right before an emergency.
0: No electricity, nothing whatsoever. You are listening to Pacific Prepared.
2: Ways of predicting and living with natural disasters have been around for a long time now. This information is often passed down through families and communities. As technology has changed, so is the thinking around how people in the Pacific can use that technology to help in the case of natural disasters. There's a marine science PhD student in Fiji looking into the value of adding local voices to the conversation around climate change and ultimately natural disasters.
1: The Pacific Islands boast a rich reservoir of traditional and cultural wisdom when it comes to adapting to climate challenges. These communities have a long history of implementing homegrown solutions to counteract the effects of climate change and bluster their resilience. A prominent and recurring theme in our conservation revolved around the imperative to better tap into and amplify local expertise. We underscored the importance of empowering local leaders and knowledge custodians to take the lead in the fight against climate change and its effects, one notable voice in this fraternity is Miss Salnieta Kito Lili, a dedicated marine science Ph.D. student who specializes in studying traditional fishes in Fiji. She highlighted the urgent necessity of elevating the voices of local communities. Salnieta Kito Lili strongly advocated the genuine acknowledgement of the agency of Pacific people with the foundation starting at the grassroots level of the village.
3: Okay, I started, uh, I grew up in Thaylebu, so I'd like to say part of me is uh, with all the natas that I met over the years. Eh? And so I stayed with my grandparents, and then over the years, like most of my upbringing was with my grandparents. And what they did was they taught me the values and the culture behind all the different um, things in life. Eh? And they told me, how we should always appreciate things that we have all around us, especially our environment. And one of the interesting things that... um I faced was um, actually going out fishing when well, the first time I went out fishing was when I was five years old with the, one of the master fishes from our village eh? and uh, that was against the Fijian culture because we had to do a whole ritual and everything for the eldest uh, to go out to sea. Eh? but then when we came back and then I realized that I am a very small person and I can do so much with all the knowledge that has been shared to me so over the years while I was growing and uh, with the passing of all my grandparents, and then I started realizing after I reached university that a lot of things that they taught me, they were also taught in um, in secondary school and also at the university, but in, with a different language. So I took that to heart. And then when I met uh, Professor Randy Thamen, lecturer at the University of South Pacific, he merged or uh, blended science and traditional knowledge together. So that was a light bulb moment for me. And that's what I took and ran with. And so, when I found a scholarship and decided to further my studies, I decided to focus on traditional knowledge on fishing and how I can help my people. Mm.
1: Right. Uh, very interesting, especially uh, now with uh, a lot of people are not really aware or have uh, the knowledge to understand the importance of uh, you know the issues surrounding the marine ecosystem uh, and how to integrate or inculcate with digital knowledge to mitigate some of the challenges. eh? Just talk about the experiences working with community members, especially coastal communities.
3: Well, because my research is so uh, wide scope, eh? it's a wide scope, so it covers uh, communities which have uh, access to freshwater and marine resources, because whatever happens on land affects the sea. eh? So I try and focus on both uh, those kinds of communities. And so, but my experience is if i go into a community i have to be willing to learn from them not bring in my own ideas and preconceived ideas to be able to try and uh, have a what you call a solution ready for them what they need to do is tell you what's their problem and tell you the solutions that they have to their problems because one thing that i understand from all villages and communities i've been to is they're very smart very smart and people from outside need to acknowledge that because if you do not acknowledge that, then people within communities will not want to work with you. And that's an important thing because once they see that the solutions you have for them are uh, something that they understand and belongs to them and incorporates their own knowledge, then they'll be able to pick it up and run with it. So I think that's an important thing which people all around Fiji and uh, policymakers, anyone who comes into a community, yeah, that's uh, something that they need to understand.
1: I was listening to your presentation uh, a few months a few months ago about, uh, you know, using traditional knowledge and science to detect or forecast eh? uh, these natural hazards. Just talk about, uh, you know, uh, what really, uh, where did you eventually extract this kind of knowledge and uh, is it really effective?
3: From personal experience, yes. I believe they're still very effective today. That even though some of the signs have changed over time, but when there's uh, extreme heat conditions around us, the flowers and also the fruits will always bloom extra. So these are some of the signs that are still reliable today. Even though some of the plants are off-season, we will still have the extra fruiting of uh, plants. And also the... The animals, of course, because if they start to disappear, then you start to, or they start to go quiet. That's when you realize, okay, something is happening, or something's wrong. Eh, nature is telling you. And I'll give you an example for in uh, Kandavu when I was there, and the people they were talking about how the sea turtles they came on land. Because they could predict, they could feel the vibrations in the ocean before the Tonga eruption. So as soon as the eruption occurred, they all went back into the water and swam away. And uh, yes, bees are always a reliable sign. Eh? even And the ants, once they start crawling on your wall, it doesn't mean your wall looks nice. It means that they are running away to higher ground because they need to uh, escape from the flood waters. Eh? That's a, a reliable sign for us in Rewa. And uh, I think that's about... Uh, I think that even though climate change is happening and the more extreme events are occurring around us, but uh, our traditional signs are still there and people just have to be made aware of them and uh, adapt themselves to the changing environment. Right. Uh,
1: so what's your your plan now moving forward? Uh, you know, immediate, I would say, uh, completing your PhD. What's next?
3: Yeah, like I always tell everyone to relax a little bit. Eh? But... Uh, Uh, Right now, I would like to apply the knowledge that I've uh, gained over the time, eh? over the years that uh, my experience, all the research that I've done, I would like to give back to the community. And that's the most important people. eh? At the end of the day, the people are at the center of whatever developments and occurrences. And then uh, if you don't use the knowledge that you have to apply those things that you have learned, it becomes useless. So that's what I'm doing. At the moment I'm currently implementing a lot of my knowledge and skills at the local level back in my Tikina, five mm. villages. And so we're doing climate change, uh, adaptive uh, measures on how to counter flooding events and also uh, food security during this uh, changing climatic conditions. Right.
1: Lastly, uh, any other information you wish to add, or uh, from your experience or perspective, what more could be done uh, to ensure that uh, you know the upcoming generation are more passionate about uh, you know capitalising on traditional knowledge to mitigate uh, the, these challenges?
3: I think first of all they have to know where they come from. Eh? They have to know their identity. Second, is they need to appreciate appreciate that they have a background and something that that they can fall back on. And uh, most importantly is the use of their language. Because if they don't know their language, they will not be able to understand the secrets or the values which come with the knowledge that we have. Because uh, the main thing that everyone is missing right now, like everyone is talking about traditional knowledge, indigenous knowledge, but they're not hitting the, the nail on the head. Why? It's because they are not taking the values and the and the lessons which are behind the knowledge systems. Because in, if they incorporate those values and lessons, then they'll be able to encompass and enrich whatever uh, work they're trying to do within communities and also across the board. So I think that's basically my advice to a lot of people. And that
1: was Miss Alenia Takito Lili, a marine science PhD student who specializes in studying traditional fishes in Fiji. I am Josiah Danunga, reporting from the Fiji Islands. Disaster is part of our life, and recovering is also part of our
0: life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are.
2: You are listening to Pacific Prepare. You might have heard that Cyclone Lola formed near Vanuatu recently, and this was before the cyclone season officially started for 2023-2024. So what does this mean? What else can we expect to see in this season? ABC Radio's Pacific Beat spoke with Nandaraki Weather based in Fiji to find out more.
4: Um, seeing a cyclone uh, season begin so early is what you would normally expect for a significant El Nino event in the Pacific. There's a lot of very warm ocean water. Uh, that's part of the overall change in the weather pattern around the Pacific with climate change and so forth. Temperature's about a degree, degree and a half. In some places, up to two degrees warmer than average in the open ocean. Um, so that extra heat in the, in the ocean water will help to uh, ensure that these sorts of systems do become quite strong and powerful over the season ahead. So we'll be watching very closely um, just to see exactly how things unfold after this. But it is a, a worrying sign to see something happen so early and particularly with such a well-defined uh, South Pacific converter zone to the north of us, which is um, not showing no signs of going away at this stage.
2: And thanks to ABC Radio's Pacific Beat for that story.
4: What's your
0: plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific prepared.
2: Like a lot of Pacific countries, Samoa is beautiful in so many ways. When you drive around, everything seems so vivid and almost too much for your eyes to take in. And every now and then, you catch a glimpse of something that makes your eyebrows do that thing when you're a little confused. You see something that gives you an indication that something happened there like a shipping container, all bent and out of shape, or a structure that's been destroyed somehow. In 2009, Samoa faced a massive tsunami. It was caused by two earthquakes close together. And obviously, people still remember this event. Some people said that after the tsunami, it changed the way that they thought about disasters and how they prepare for them, because it was the first real-life emergency that they had dealt with. This is Paul, and he explained this very simply. People now take this seriously. And maybe they didn't before
5: 2009. The important thing that happened from the tsunami is that people have changed the mindset yeah. that this is serious. Because yeah. was before it wasn't serious to us. I'm Paul. Uh, I, my last name is Smith. I come from uh, the big island of Savai we call ourselves afkasi half so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> paul can you remember the 2009 tsunami that
5: happened here in samoa um i remember it as if it was like yesterday so i was staying up at vawala it's one of the from on the hills so it's five
2: in, sorry is that in savai or
5: no here, here in okay, upolu okay, yep. So this is the affected island, so I was in... Oh, I, basically, I, I live in the north side, but the south side got hit by the tsunami. And uh, we all felt the, the earthquake. It was never before. Uh, I remember that morning, everything on the shelves went to the floor. So everyone panicked. We thought it was something... it was just strange. So people just stand outside their houses and look around until we heard sirens of, uh, so the first, uh, fire truck, um, the emergency services passed by our house at, uh, on top of the hill going down to the affected areas. That's the truck that got crashed and they all died. So they were the first, uh, uh, medical people that went that died on the road. So, yeah, it was. It wasn't a good day. It wasn't. wasn't a good memory of what happened. But it is what it is. But
2: when did you sort of first mm. realize how big the tsunami was and how how much impact that disaster had on Samoa?
5: Um, we've heard of tsunamis and we've watched m- movies and. But we've never seen it before, so we we kind of don't believe that it can happen to Samoa. So, but when we the our families at the south side sent pictures to us the same morning, and everyone got panicked. Even the national television was at the on site on the day, so they broadcasted live on national TV. Mm. So everyone was on, every family was in front of their TV and watching and praying that no member of their family got affected. So
1: <clears throat>
5: yeah, it was like that. We, it, was a, it wasn't a good memory of uh, the event, <laughs> but we we got out all right. And you were saying that
2: the mindset now has changed since that event as well in Samoa, do you think?
5: Yeah, because when the, the, the earthquake struck um, and happened, we, we, we went through a lot of earthquakes, but nothing happened. So we were more relaxed. So you've, you've seen in some more people are very relaxed people. So we're happy people. We, we, we call ourselves happy people. We're not really bothered when the natural disasters come. We've been through cyclones. We know we can survive. But there's, it was. No, there's not much that bothers you at all, really, is there? Yeah. Someone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, it, people are just relaxed, and they 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 just try to do their thing, and then work on the land, and then go back home. It's all about family. Mm. So when that happened, we weren't we weren't taught that this is serious. The tsunami can be very serious. Yeah. Even the uh, the climate change now and the global warming. It is a serious matter, but if you talk to the local the Osama people, we're like, okay, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> what do you think changed after that tsunami in people's minds? Um, whenever there's a... Not only we've done a lot of uh, awareness and uh, TV promotions on how to survive during a tsunami, people are very alert now. People get to hear the message very quickly and they get it. But before we, we did a few drills in Samoa, the whole of the country participated before the tsunami. No one bothered. Yeah, we did. So, so no one yeah, we, did the drill. They, right? they, they, they did the drill, and the drill said you go to a higher, higher place. So they all walked, they just walk and laugh, and then they come back. During the tsunami, no one went to the, to the hill. No one ran. So when, when, the, when it happened, so that's why it got uh, a lot of people died. Uh, but after the tsunami, the, the government has put in place uh, running. I mean, safety areas where and signs and boards where you can run straight to that area for safety. So pretty much, we've had a few uh, tsunami warnings that came later. Everyone was up and running, they, even though there was no tsunami, and people got panicked. Even the meteorology office said. You need to know the, the the notice. It's a warning, and it's a a watch. There's a difference between a watch and a warning. Yeah. So yeah. people are learning that. Yeah, okay. But um, it's a now people have have that different mindset from before. Okay. Now they know it's serious. But the people are still quite relaxed. Do you think, in
2: some despite having that kind of? Different mindset around natural disasters now. People have maintained that relaxed attitude.
5: Yeah, they, they, now they, they still have that relaxed attitude, but they are mindful of the what happened in two thousand and nine. So they, they whenever there's a, a tsunami warning, even the I think I think four weeks ago, a sir one of the sirens in around town got uh, I think uh, faulty, and it went off, mm. and everyone reacted. That's a good sign. Even if it's it's just a faulty, everyone reacted. Everyone called in, everyone drove uphill and waited if they cancelled the thing. And they said, it's just a drill. So it's good.
2: How How does it make you feel as a Samoan living here? I mean, it's a beautiful place, obviously, in the middle of the Pacific. But do you feel quite vulnerable in some ways too, knowing that there could be another earthquake which could cause another tsunami or there could be some other natural disaster like a cyclone come along do you feel that vulnerability yeah
5: we 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 know we we are that we are very vulnerable to any of the natural disasters because we're living in this um coastal island so but with the measures that the government has put in and we we kind of feel oh, okay so we have areas to to go we know uh, the awareness that are going on, where to go, where during a, a natural disaster, and yeah, well, we I think we're in a good place. Yeah. Okay. What well, we can do. Uh, I think, uh, we can just enjoy life, and uh, the, 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 the important thing that happened from the tsunami is that people have changed the mindset. Yeah. That this is serious. Mm. Because before it wasn't serious to us. Yeah. Uh, that's why they, when they, most of the people that died, they were on the, heat, the 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 coastline. They all watched the the sea gone to the gone inside them. And there was no water. They all watched it. They didn't know what was going on. They said, "Wow, this is new." Yeah. And then a few minutes later, they see a giant uh, wave. Then they start running. Then they panic. That's why they die. So, and it's a good wake up call for us. And even if, after more than 10 years now, people are very alert and they're very, um, responsive when, uh, the government come up with uh, awareness and stuff like this. Yeah. Even the whole country are working together. Even the village council and the community, they all work together. Yeah. The, the village councils, they, they provide places for the government to do their promotions and stuff. Mm. They even allocated lands on the hills for people to gather yeah. and for recovery process, yeah. if it happens.
2: Do you think it's changed people's attitudes toward climate change as well, the, the tsunami in 2009? has that, Has that come into the conversation as well, climate change?
5: I won't say that, but mm. climate change came after the It's one of the effects, but people are aware of the. I mean, we're we're the. I think we're the least. uh, We're the least hurt, but the more affected. So we we're just hoping. We've done. I mean, I. The government has has done a lot of uh, ways to help with the climate change and all this stuff going on, but we're just hoping that the the big big guys will hear us and stop with all of this and because it, we're a small land we can only do so much but we're hoping the whole of the world can work together
2: Paul Smith from Samoa telling us some of the memories that he had of the 2009 tsunami this show was made on the lands of the peoples of Stony Creek Nation in Lutruwita, Tasmania Pacific Prepared is supported with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific including Radio New Zealand Pacific, National Broadcasting Corporation of Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, Samoa National Radio 2AP, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation and Tonga Broadcasting Commission. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about natural disasters, climate change and how traditional knowledge links them all together. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared.